You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Florida State fans from around the world, to the very first Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. I am Matt Minnick. We are joined by Michael Rogner. Uh, Matt and Mike here. Uh, Michael, go ahead and say hi. Hi, folks. That's right. Coming to you from across the, the country here, live and we are excited to be here. This is something that we are going to uh, try to start doing on at least a weekly basis. Maybe we can get some instant podcasts up like the uh, like Bud does with some of the casts after football games. Um, so we're just going to we're going to see where this takes us. And Michael, let me ask you a question here. So over the last 50 years, I was thinking today, there has been some pretty big moments in the world. We've got, you know, the first lunar landing uh, back in 1969, the Berlin Wall coming down, the annexation of Puerto Rico. And I'm speaking, of course, of the Little Giants trick play, not the geopolitical event was longer than 50 years ago. Uh, and now, now the first TN Hoops podcast, uh, where would you rank, where would you rank this episode one in that list? <laughs> yeah, that's quite a list. Um, let's see here. So, People have been asking us about this thing for like three years or something, been mm -hmm. bugging us yeah. and leaving us comments. Right. Uh, so I'm excited to finally be on the air doing it. And it's definitely bigger than the first lunar landing. I mean, obviously that wasn't There's real. not even proof that that actually happened. So, exactly. I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to put it up with the Berlin Wall, though. I mean, let's not get into politics on our, on our, on our first go around here yeah yeah so well and i think it's got to be above a trick play that was drawn in the sand although that kid with the uh with the snot coming out of his nose was pretty cute um so yeah. we'll see how it goes um 
No, so we're, we're excited to be here. And uh, it's, you know, it's exciting that the Florida State basketball season has started off well, too. Uh, we are nine games into the year. And we, uh, it's a seven and two record. And, and let me ask you this. If, if I told you, Michael, that MJ Walker would be hurt and miss uh, three to four games, if I told you that Trent had a turnover rate uh, north of 25%, and that Wyatt Wilkes would have played, you know, a full uh, fifth of the available minutes that we've played so far on the season. Like, what do you, th- what would you have expected our record to be if I told you all those things were true? Uh, well, it obviously wouldn't be as as good as it is now. I'm I'm a little surprised at the way that Florida State has played just coming out of the gate, considering, um, you know, all 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 of those limitations. We certainly. Probably, I would say we would lose to Florida if you give me that, and we're definitely going to lose lose probably two out of three of the Tennessee, Purdue, and Indiana thing. So, you know, looking at a record of of like five and four instead of seven and two, so pretty excited with the way that the season has started. Yeah, and not it's not only just a seven and two record, which is as you said probably better than expectations given what has transpired, but those wins have come against really really resume building wins I mean when when the committee goes in March to evaluate the teams that are going to make the tournament uh, non-conference wins particularly those played on a neutral site or away from home are the types of things that they're those are the wins they're looking for uh, when they're when they're evaluating teams and, and putting you know determining their seeds so what has you know unequivocally Florida State has done a a good job through the first nine games, regardless of how they got there um, in terms of putting themselves in position to make the NCAA tournament. What has gone well on the court? How has the team been able to do that? Well, the defense has been better than I expected. I, I expected them to be really good by the end of the season. I didn't expect them to be this good early. Uh, the, the, the amount of turnovers that we're forcing is pretty incredible. I mean, Indiana had stretches and Purdue as well, where they just, they couldn't even get the ball inbounds. Um, which is, uh, you know, indicative of the amount of pressure that these guys are, are putting on folks. Um, offensively, uh, I can't say that a ton of stuff has gone well, but all of the <laughs> problems are probably good problems to have. You know what I'm saying? So uh, uh, Florida State doesn't have a real solid backup right now for Trent Forrest, but that's because Raekwon Evans missed so much time in the summer. It's not because Florida State doesn't have the guys. You know, Florida State hasn't been really aggressive on the offensive end, but again, it's not because they don't have the guys. It's just, it's just you know, other uh, uh, stuff that we can get into here in a minute. But um, yeah, so the reason that Florida State seven and two is 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 you know heavy on the defense, and then the offense is just getting enough done. It kind of kind of feels early like one of those you know 2011 2012 teams that were just you know winning games on one end of the floor. Yeah, it does. It does feel like that. It's funny to say in a season in which we've scored a hundred and I don't know what is hundred eleven against Chicago State or something, but but that's because. Truthfully, Chicago State might have been uh, one of the worst teams I've ever seen come into Tuck. Uh, and that's no disrespect to the coach or players who actually were, were quite uh, nice to talk to. But they just, they just don't have the kind of talent that we've typically seen, even from low majors that come into Tuck. Um, so I agree about the defense. And is it fair to say that the, the best offense for Florida State so far this season has been – the, the defensive turnovers turning into offense, the transition game. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of fans kind of harp on that a little bit, like it's a bad thing, but there's a ton of really good basketball teams out there that, that are scoring really efficiently in transition and not efficiently at all in half court and floor, you know, Florida state is no exception on that end, but the amount of offense that we can generate off the defense has been really great. Yeah. I, I think it last, I saw that the, the Florida state was forcing a, a turnover on what 25 or 26% of their opponent's possessions, uh, which 26, yeah. 26. Yeah. Which seems, I don't know, that kind of boggles my mind. doesn't seem sustainable, but, and, and just for folks out there, when we talk about turnovers, um, it's, it's best not to look at just a total turnover stat when you say, oh, well, a team turned it over 15 times in a game, because the reality is across college basketball, at least the, the tempo varies so much from one team to another. You could have a team uh, like UVA that only has 55, 56 possessions in a game. You could have a team like maybe a UNC that has, you know, 80 possessions in a game. So we really look at what are the percentages of the total possessions that you are either turning the ball over yourself or generating uh, turnovers on defense. And so for Florida State to be, you know, creating turnovers on more than a quarter of their opponent's possessions, that's, that's a high number. Um, so that's kind of what's gone well, which is essentially defense. And then that defense creating easy opportunities on offense. What about you talk about some of the injuries or backup to Trent Forrest. What is right now you're thinking, well, if this doesn't get fixed, Florida state might not reach their ceiling. Yeah. Well, the, the bench right now is not great. It's not uh, existent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, and, and there's some reasons for that. You know, so there's been a lot of injuries, but then also it's just, there's guys coming off the bench that should be uh, performing at a little higher level and they're not doing that. I think a key to that is getting Raquan Evans back to full speed. And that's probably going to take till March. I mean, it's not going to be an, an easy thing for someone to miss that much time and then come in and have to run, you know, a half court offense. Um, so that's, you know, it's not a, a, a quick fix, um, but it's something that has to, that has to, uh, you know, be addressed. The, the other thing that I'm seeing a lot out of this team um, is there, the, the, there's just not enough aggression on the offensive end. You know, Ham has this thing where if you, if you want to know about most college basketball teams, you look at the starters. If you want to know about Ham's teams, you look at who's on the court for the last five minutes. Sure. So I think the way that that's going to shake out, it's going to be Trent, MJ, Devin, um, Patrick Williams, and Osborne. And if you take those five guys, all of them have areas in their game where they need to be more aggressive. Um, and the reason they're not aggressive is because, you know, Ham's trying to instill this real unselfish uh, system, but that makes it really difficult for guys to understand when they need to be shooting. Um, if, if Devin gets an open three, he does not have to have, or he should not have this cluttered mind where he's wondering, Oh, should I, you know, maybe if I move the ball, if we reverse the ball, we can get a layup or something, a better shot. He just needs to let fly. And, and this, this team is kind of missing that, you know, last year we had that with Biondu. Like when he got the ball, there was no clutter in his in that game. He was game. going up, yeah. Exactly. He was for making better or for worse. aggressive, right? Yeah. Um, and and Terrence Mann, you know, he he was that same guy for three years, and then last year he finally, you know, he finally came to understand that there are moments where Florida State is going to lose the basketball game if he doesn't if he doesn't take over, and we need you know Trent and all those guys to just be able to recognize those moments and act. Yeah, I think that's – I agree with you. You know, 
MJ Walker, despite despite battling some early injuries, he he's actually I, I've been impressed with how comfortable he looks in in the half court this year and and in some of these later you know late clock or late game situations. Devin Vassell, you mentioned when he gets open, he's got to shoot it. You know, we're talking about a guy who is a career. So for his freshman year and this first third of the sophomore year, 43, 44% shooter from three point. And, and yet he sort of sometimes has that Terrence Mann, uh, you know, confidence level where he's passing up an open three and, and then that three often ends up being taken. Uh, and I'm not trying to call people out, but taken by someone like Raycon Gray or Trent, who just, who is not, the odds of them making that shot are not the same as the odds of Devin Vassell making it. Is that just an age thing? I mean, I know Vassell was kind of young coming into um, college. Is that he just needs to grow into, look, you got to take that shot, man. Yeah, it could be age, it could be confidence, it could be, you know, it could be a lot of things. It's, you know, part of it's the system, they're just, they're, they're taught to be really unselfish, um, you know, but they're also taught when, it, when it is that they really need to let it fly. And I, I don't think that that coaching has really gotten down deep in several of these guys. And, you know, that's going to be the challenge for the staff is how you know how they impart that kind of really quick decision making on the court to guys who just naturally aren't that um you know aggressive or selfish yeah and and one guy that you mentioned briefly and and i don't even you know we've only seen him play for nine games but malik osborne has really been i think a, a positive for florida state uh for the first part of the season you know he's I'm not going to call him a first round draft pick, but he's kind of got that Fiondu game where he can, you know, he can put it on the uh, floor. He can, he can bang inside. He can, he can shoot from the perimeter. Uh, he is aggressive and, and able to grab rebounds, offensive and defensive rebounds. So he, he's a guy that I'm pleasantly surprised by. And I'm glad to hear you say as well that, you know, that that's a guy who's going to be got to be on the court in the last four or five minutes. Um, when we think about, I hate to think about floor and ceiling in terms of NCAA tournament. Folks put too much pressure, honestly, on the NCAA tournament, too much emphasis on it. That is, the whole goal is to make the tournament, and then, you know, you see how the, the draw ends up, you see what your bracket looks like, and you go as far as you can. But if we think about maybe just like ACC play, 20 games, 20-game uh, regular season now, what do you think in terms of the ACC record? We're already 0-1. What's the floor? What's the ceiling in terms of that uh, ACC play? Yeah, we are 0-1, but we're also in kind of a weird position, at least at least for, for my fandom, you know, as a Florida State fan, in that it's early December, and it's hard to imagine this team not making the dance. We already have three really, really good wins, and so all, all they need to do is just get through the rest of out-of-conference play and get through um, – ACC play and they'll be in the dance the floor I'm kind of seeing for this team is maybe like 10 and 10 their own one now so that'd be 10 and 9 kind of going in and I think that would be plenty to make the, the tournament with their resume assuming they don't do something stupid like lose to North Alabama or something uh, the ceiling of 14 maybe 15 wins I think there's really yeah there, there's not a you know uh, there's not a ton of top end power in uh in the ACC this year, but I am concerned about Florida State's offense and how long it's going to take for that to gel. If it 
if it gels this month, then, you know, I can easily see us winning 14 games or even 15, you know, but if it takes a while, it, I could see us more like 12. And, and when you say a 10 and 10 floor, cause I, I think that seems about right. I don't know, maybe, maybe nine and 11, but that's, that's assuming Trent Forrest stays healthy, right? Oh, exactly. If Trent, if Trent gets hurt, this team's done. I mean, <laughs> okay. We, they still the, might back their way into the tournament because they already have a resume that looks pretty good. But um, yeah, they probably. I, I think we would ratchet that ceiling down considerably with Trent uh, hurt. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming good health for for the team. Fair enough. Yeah, and, and so you know, I always kind of look at these home away. So there's ten home. We have ten ACC home games left to play, um, and we'll talk about the next one that comes up on Sunday here in a bit. But you know, I, I just the way Florida State's been so successful at home the last four, four or five years, you got to figure they're going to win at least maybe seven or eight. I mean, that's kind of at a minimum that they're going to win seven or eight of the home games and then they just find a way to steal a few on the road. So I'm with you on that 10 and 10. Speaking of the rest of the ACC, uh, you mentioned that there's just not that maybe that top end elite uh, teams like there has been the last couple of years. Why don't we move into a, a discussion here just generally about the ACC? Who, who are the elite teams then? I'd say Duke and Louisville. And I, I know Duke lost to Steve. I was rooting for Stephen at Boston. I was, I was super excited about that yeah, game. You and the but, rest of the country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I wasn't on the short end of that one. Yeah, they, they, but they're still a good team. They got some dudes on that, on that roster. Yeah, they just dismantled Michigan State. Although everyone's yeah. scoring on Michigan State right now. But, yeah, they just dismantled them yesterday. Yeah, I mean, the Vernon Carey is incredible, and Trey Jones is not going to turn it over eight times a game. He, he, sure. he He's had a ton of turnovers since that Stephen F. Austin game, but, you know, he, he's, a, he's a good player. And Louisville is, you know, kind of next level at this point. With Jordan Wara is, is, you know, probably not just the best player in the conference, but the best player in the country. And then he's got some really good pieces around him. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Dwayne Sutton and – and, and Ryan McMahon that are just sort of these ancillary pieces for this team. I mean, they're really, really good. Is Louisville, they could be the best team in the country. And they, they sort of strike me as if, you know, that might be what, what Florida State would look like if, if we could consistently recruit or, or dedicate the, re, the resources needed to recruit um, <laughs> at a level like Louisville. I mean, they're just long everywhere. They hound you on defense. And, and they, you know, like you said, they have a lottery pick with Jordan Mora. Um, what about the next – so if, the, if Duke and Louisville are elite, and I'll be honest, I think I might even just say Louisville is tier one. Maybe Duke is tier two. Is there anyone else that could rise up into that tier, like tier two or, or just below Duke level? Or, or is that where Florida State lives? Are they there with, with UNC and UVA and, and – Maybe Notre Dame. I don't know. It yeah, seems it I think drops off pretty quickly. <laughs> I think that's where Florida State's living right now. Is you got you know competing competing for the top four seeds in the in the ACC tournament. You can pretty much hand one to Louisville and hand one of those seeds to Duke at this point. And then you've got Virginia, North Carolina, Florida State, maybe NC State, maybe Virginia Tech can you know can work their way into that conversation. Um, but yeah, Florida State's Florida State's right there in that second tier. Yeah, and so I, I agree. I think that is where Florida State is. I think they're closer to um, they're closer to a top four seed, or maybe a top four seed, than they are falling all the way out of you know getting that single buy that goes down to the top eight seeds. Um, 
So UNC and UVA actually play each other uh, this coming Sunday. And, and the final score of the football game when they played this year was 38 to 31. Uh, now, if you've seen either team play lately, you know that both offenses are struggling. Um, UVA doesn't have a top 100 ranked offense. Is it possible that the, that the 38-31 score, which the Wahoos did win on the football, on the gridiron, could that be the same score this weekend? <laughs> it could be. I mean, I, I, I like don't What if it's anything. a 52 or 53 <laughs> possession game? And I don't put anything past Virginia at this point. I, I think North Carolina is going to be able to run a little bit more and get the possessions up a bit. But, but yeah, it, 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 this is one of those games where everybody's looking at it like two kind of high-powered or, or blue bloods that is just going to be an ugly game. Um, but, you know, those often turn into, like, you know, instant classics. So who knows what this game's going to look like, but we'll see. And why is – I mean – UVA is the defending national champs. I, they lost Kyle Guy. They lost uh, Ty Jerome. They lost uh, DeAndre Hunter, all of whom were playing in the NBAs. I mean, is that why they're struggling? It's just hard to reload? Yeah, those three guys you just listed were dudes. And if you look at the other starters for them, it was, what, Diakite and, and, and Clark. And now those guys are put into this role where they have to be, you know, kind of the guys, and they're, they're just not. I mean, Diakite is a good player. Um, but you know, Jay Huff is he re- is he really gonna you know yeah. give you thirty minutes? And Clark a game? struggles against bigger guards. He he really yeah. does. We've seen that now for two years. Exactly. Clark's not going to suddenly turn into their savior. And one thing that about last year's team is Virginia was playing like six guys, mm. you know, seven guys, mm-hmm. and the best three left. And all of a sudden, you've got this bench that you haven't even heard of these guys. You know, and some of them were blue chip recruits, and they ne- you know they never. S- see the court in, in their early uh, you know, stages of their career. And so now you're, you're kind of calling on these guys to, to step up. And, you know, I think that if, if Tony Bennett could have maybe extended his bench a little bit last year and gotten these guys, you know, a little more time, it would have been good for this year's team. Yeah, I get the feeling that Tony Bennett did not anticipate that Kyle Guy was going to go pro. Um, and maybe even at the beginning of the year, if you asked him, he would have said the same thing about Ty Jerome, although by January, it was probably pretty clear that he was. But I will say that, you know, I think that we don't kind of like football with Florida State here where the last, you know, no one wants to go five and seven or six and six. But if it means that you got a national title out of it in 2013, you'll kind of take it. I imagine UVA is okay with a with a bounce back year if given their title uh, from last year. At UNC, though, they they are struggling as well. But that seems to be more injury related other than Cole Anthony, who is is incredible and I want to ask you a question about him in a second but is UNC struggles more injury related yeah I mean you look at the roster I was watching that game was it last night they were playing and they've got you know two mid-major transfers that are playing major minute minutes and you know leaky black like what's what's he's never developed yeah yeah and Garrison Brooks was great when he was surrounded by all those guys last year but but now you need him to do a lot more, and you know maybe he's really not that guy. Baycott got hurt. Cole Anthony's an absolute stud, though, so they'll, you know, they'll be all right. But I look at that that current roster. You know, Brandon Robinson, he's he's a senior now, and he's really never, you know, done that much. There's just not that much to scare you outside of, 
of Cole Anthony being able to totally take over games. You know, I wonder if that's one of the byproducts, too, of when you bring in so many uh, one-and-dones. Like last year, UNC had Kobe White, Nasir Little. If, if those guys are eating up most of the minutes, then your Brandon Robinson isn't ever developing – that you know experience in the game and and learning the same thing we talked about florida state earlier where devin vassell or maybe mj has to learn what it's like to be the guy in the final five minutes well brandon robinson has never been able to do that at unc in his four years because each year there's another one and done or or another sophomore guy who's coming in uh playing major minutes even though uh roy does like to use his bench so Let's do a little buy and sell action, buy or sell action. Um, and actually, you just mentioned Cole Anthony, so let's start there. Buy or sell, Cole Anthony is better than Kobe White for UNC last year. I th- I'm buying, I th- if I'm doing this right, because Cole Anthony is better than everybody. He's, he's Could he be really, the number one pick in the draft? I could easily see that, yeah. So, you know, Coach Young, CY for, for Florida State, has this thing where, where they – when they're recruiting guys, they try to figure out if they're gym rats. And if they're not, it doesn't matter how skilled they are. You don't get recruited to Florida State if you're not a gym rat. And everything I've heard about Cole Anthony is that he's just totally obsessive with getting better as a basketball player. And so I, th- I think what we're going to see out of him this year is is really trying to understand what Roy Williams is you know, trying to get him to do. And he, by the end of the year, is probably going to be the best player in the country. I'm really excited to see how Trent Forrest, Anthony Polite, um, MJ Walker are able to defend against Cole Anthony. And I'm not even saying they're going to have success. I mean, nobody's going to have a ton of success. But that he's the kind of quickness that you just don't see every day and I will buy with you as well that he is better than Kobe White who's actually playing pretty well for the Chicago Bulls um okay buy or sell Virginia Tech is a contender for a top six finish in the league yeah I'm gonna buy on that one too I mentioned them earlier as potential for that you know that last fourth seed but they were supposed to be terrible right I know I don't even know what happened they're great I I don't understand how they're as good as they are I mean, Kerry Blackshear is not even there anymore. They lost uh, two or three other guys to transfers. A couple folks graduated, and and here they are. I'm not saying they're an Elite Eight team or anything, but, I mean, they are a legit good team, right? Yeah, and I, I think a lot of this comes from, you know, winning at Clemson to start the season. Then you beat Michigan State. They did kind of get beat up a little bit by Dayton. Dayton's a good team. And then they turned around and lost to BYU. So, they're going to have some growing pains, but that, that win at uh, Michigan State and at Clemson, that, that means that they can win a lot of ACC games. And, and I, I think that they're if I had to pick them like as an ACC seed, I'm going to pick them as six. So, so we're, we're in that window. Certainly, as I asked the question of are they a contender for top six, yeah, if you're picking them six, then I think buying is correct there. I will say I'm going to be a little interested to see what they look like in February. They have a pretty thin bench. Uh, Landers Nolly has been great, but he's a freshman. We know what happens to freshmen. You know, We saw it with Malik Beasley when he kind of wore down at the end of the year. We saw it with Jonathan Isaac in his freshman year. So I'll be interested to see how they look in late February. But I agree that the league's just not – There's just it's just wide open after the top three or four. So I think they are as well. Last buy or sell. 
UVA will lose more ACC games this year than the last two seasons combined when they, they lost three ACC games in the last two seasons combined. Buy or sell, they'll lose more this year. Yeah, I think you can, you can throw in their uh, – so they lost three in the regular season. They lost one to Florida State in the – got to throw that in there in the ACC Oh, yeah, tournament. sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's, that's four, and they're going to lose more than four this year. I think they're going to lose six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. I mean, their offense, as you've seen, is a total mess. And last year, I thought that maybe that was the year that Tony Bennett should speed things up a little bit when you got all those studs out there. And this year, he's just his his hands are tied. He's got he's got nobody doing anything. They can't make shots. They they can't run. They can't get to the line. They're just not doing anything. Eight ACC losses. I think I'm going to have to save that one, and we'll, we we will revisit that later on. Because <laughs> that seems almost incomprehensible to me that a Tony Bennett UVA team would it would what, so that's like a 12 and eight record. Um, but like you said, it is a total train wreck on offense right now up in Charlottesville. Really interested to see how that game goes against UNC on Sunday. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Apparently we got bills around here that need to be paid. Uh, and then we'll, when we come back, uh, speaking of this weekend, we're going to dive into the weekend game for Florida State. Uh, they, they play the Clemson Tigers on Sunday. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back. Just like the Knowles will be back in action on Sunday uh, at 2 p.m. at the Tuck against the Clemson Tigers. We talked earlier that um, that Florida State really has been outstanding at home over the last couple of years. So this is a game that you got to think going in. They prop just just based on playing an ACC home game uh, probably are going to be favorites. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Clemson. First of all, is Clemson any good? Yeah, going into the season, I thought they were going to be good, and I mean not. Good, good, but like Clemson, good. Like NIT, uh, good. Yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll yeah. go through. They'll beat somebody they're not supposed to beat, like fifty-eight to fifty-two. They'll they'll drop a couple head scratchers and they'll end up in the NIT. Uh, but they've got they've got some injury problems. I think they only had like you know seven or eight scholarship guys dressed out a, <laughs> a couple games ago. They've got you know transfer I think that didn't get cleared and and so there's there's some roster issues going on. And they'll be better by the end of the season, but right now they are—they are not a good basketball team that somehow beat a decent TCU team. Um, but yeah, Old they, Jamie they, Dixon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it seems to be that Clemson, um, I you know, I don't even want to say underperforms because. Uh, it's not like they have a whole bunch of top 100 players there. They, they, they typically have a roster that's, you know, uh, kind of a poor man's version of Florida state, honestly. Um, and so, I mean, is Brad Brunel's seat warm or do they, do they care? <laughs> it should be. I mean, he's been there, he's been there like 10 years and he's won. 
they had that what one good that? season a couple years ago with like 25 wins, right? Where Jared, yeah, yeah. Uh, where they, they had a late injury. Um, that, and they still managed, I think, to get to the Sweet 16 that year. But that's basically it, right? That's about the extent of what he's done. Yeah, they got the Sweet 16, and then they they went to the tournament like his first year, second year, and you know, with got all of Pernell's rounds. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So on any other ACC school, he should have already been fired, but Clemson doesn't care. They extended him a couple years ago after that Sweet 16, and I'm I'm guessing that they're just going to kind of ride it out with him, which is which is weird because they're putting they they have put money into the program. You that know, stadium is incredible. Yeah. But they just, it just, you know, with their football program, they, it's just like they don't have time. Yeah, they're currently just so, so they're five and three on the season. Um, they, four of those five wins are against uh, apparently a religion, Presbyterian, um, and, and then a toothpaste, Colgate. Uh, they beat the city <laughs> of Detroit and then, um, Alabama A&M, who's ranked 347th out of 353 teams. And then, as you mentioned, they somehow defeated TCU, who's almost a top 50 team uh, on a neutral court uh, in overtime. So, so they have one win against a team that people have heard of. Um, and they, I, I was trying to look at earlier what they, what they do well. Um, not a ton. Uh, so they, they do seem they're, they're decent at, at, um, two point percentage field goals, uh, 52.8, two point percentage field goals, but Florida state's pretty strong on the interior defense. What do you think, I mean, what should Florida state fans be watching out for from the Clemson side of things coming into this game? Uh, Clemson's given up a ton of uh, offensive boards. Florida State should really be able to work the glass. And, you know, we struggled with that a little bit recently, and that should be one of the strengths of this team. So I would I would, I would like to see, the, uh, you know, kind of get that back. And and this is one of those things that the the numbers aren't really going to back it up because if, if you look at it, their, their offensive uh, – you know, their defensive rebounding percentage has actually been pretty good on the year, but when I've watched them, it, it you know, just looks like this is something that Florida State's going to, gonna uh, you know, be able to exploit. Um, and then uh, when when Clemson has the ball, their offense has, has been bad. I mean, they're they're not doing much, like you mentioned. They've they they've they've shot twos pretty well, and. And maybe they take care of the ball, and that's that's about it. Florida State should be able to to get them rattled a little bit, and and and, and be able to to build up pretty good lead. So the one guy that is most intriguing to me is uh, is Tevin Mack, uh, and he now, remind he's the transfer from uh, is that Texas? Uh, no, yeah, te- well Texas it looks like, and then Alabama, and now Clemson. So he's. He's just making making the circuit, uh, and he does. So he's forty percent three point shooter coming in. Uh, he handles the ball a lot for them. Is that is that someone that you would expect uh, Florida State to really j- just put you know a guy like Anthony Polite or Forrest on and just see if we can shut him you know extend the defense out and shut him down from the perimeter? Yeah, Mac Mac. I mean, he's made forty one percent on the year, but he hasn't been that kind of shooter for his career. He's been you know more like. You know, I want to say MJ Walker, but we've seen MJ get awfully hot and 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 take over games. So you just you just don't want to limit the number of looks that he's getting. Um, FSU is going to be switching everything on the perimeter, so uh, just trying to trying to deny that 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 his ability to shoot. 
which he's done pretty well. So, uh, you know, on the year. Of course, we will have uh, we'll have a full preview up on on the website as well, uh, probably on Sunday just before that game. Uh, but you know, if so, right now I'm asking you who wins. I think I know your answer. We got Florida State at home playing a team that has quite honestly not done a whole lot on the season. But so maybe I'll ask you who wins and, and maybe by how much. <laughs> well, if, we obviously haven't recorded that podcast yet, but if. Florida State loses, then we need to put some kind of adult warning or something on there because there's, <laughs> there's yeah. going to be some explicit language going on. Uh, Florida State just cannot lose this game. They play Clemson twice. I think the other one's at the, at the end of February. Clemson will probably be a much better team by then and will also be at their place. Uh, I, I could see Florida State maybe dropping that one, but losing to Clemson at home when you're already 0-1, you're coming off a loss to Indiana. That's just something that Florida State can't let happen and I'll, I'll take Florida State by 10 we'll say like you know 71 61 somewhere in there I I agree I'll take it a step further and say that not only can that not happen a home loss to a team like Clemson uh, when you're already 0-1 I would say that traditionally it has not happened under Leonard Hamilton the team looked a bit road weary to me against Indiana um, I was over in in Niceville for the Emerald Coast Classic that was those were some physical games. Uh, the referees really, I mean, at times it looked like rugby. Um, and so they played three games in five days, all away from home, all against top 30 opponents. They looked a little road weary. Um, they've had, they're going to have four or five days off. They're coming home where they play well. I, I think that not only does Florida State win, I'll, I'll say they win by 15 plus. Nice. Yeah. I like so, it. Yeah, confident. So uh, that that's gonna do it for for the for episode one. This is the one that you wanna you wanna find at the at the comic store, folks, and put in the put in the plastic protector because um, it's definitely going down in history. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be like I said, we're gonna try to be doing this uh, pretty like semi frequently during the season, and probably ramping that up as we get closer to March. Um, the goal is to cover Florida State basketball, but also as you heard tonight, uh, cover cover uh, ACC basketball in general, and that might even expand into some more national coverage as we go. Um, I'm Matt Minnick, and for Michael Rogner, just saying thanks and hope you enjoyed it.